We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Wow. All I can say was that was one of the coolest episodes that I've ever done on The Greatness Machine. Had Gabby Reese on the show. Uh, you're in for such an amazing episode of The Greatness Machine. We talk about how she you know, went from becoming a professional volleyball player to a supermodel to you know, creating all these great businesses with her husband, Laird Hamilton, and all her beliefs on how to level up in the world. Uh, this was truly an epic Greatness Machine episode. Stay tuned. You're going to love it. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatest Machine. I'm your host, Darius Murchazda, and boy, do we have a special guest. Gabby Reese is in the house. Gabby, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darius. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So um, normally when we start the show, I always I, I kind of give background on how this came to be. But um, for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatest Machine, we're about two things. People are learning their passions and those creating greatness in the world. And Gabby is short, neither short of passion nor greatness. Um, so excited to dig into all the amazing things you've done, but, um, I, I always like to give a little bit of background on, on again, how the show comes to be. So I'm going, it's like, I, well, first of all, so I have a business and I, and I, and I said, Hey, I don't want to work the week of Thanksgiving. I don't work the last two weeks of the year. And, and so I wasn't paying attention to my schedule and I looked, I'm like, when's my, when's my next show? Cause I was off last week. Sure. And I didn't see that, that your team had booked you for us. And so I'm like, oh my god, I have a show tomorrow. And it's with Gabby Reese, which we've been we've been trying to book you for a bit. So I was like, uh, I'm not prepared. <laughs> so I spent the whole morning preparing. Um, but my gosh, I it was a really pleasant surprise, and we've been wanting to have you on the show for a while because you've done so many amazing things. So um, yeah, it's it's really a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, it's listen, it's always an honor if somebody wants to talk to you. If you if people lose sight of that, I think they they lose the plot a little bit. <laughs> yeah you know I'm, i i believe that right like i think some people are like maybe don't they maybe get asked by a lot of folks and they want to be choosy but but i'm with you it's like you know especially if you've done cool things in your life and people want to know about it i mean i'll tell you my perspective on this and and we'll go into your bio in a second here for maybe listeners who are less familiar with your work i look at folks who you know especially one of the reasons why i do the show is i want i want to get people's voices out there that have, have done the hard things. I think it's, it's, it's hard to do the hard things, right? And if we're living in our passions and we're living in our talents and we can, you know, use our God given strengths to create cool things in the world, 
I, for one, want to learn how people do it and how do they navigate it? Because I think that this is a complicated world we live in where doing hard things is hard. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, I just think we've separated too much from hard and I think hard or challenging or difficult um, is, is, is another shade of life that we're living in, like sleep and love and eating. I think we've made hard like this thing over there versus, oh, that's also one of the things I do, which is hard things. Um, because I mean, we've all heard if it's sort of worth it, it usually has some challenges around it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I think it's like, uh, who is it? Like Jocko Willick that says, you know, embrace the suck, right? Or the, maybe that maybe that comes from the Navy SEALs, right? Sure. This well, idea, and I don't right? know how we, we've gotten out of touch with that. I think, you know, the way people used to live, you know, it was like their hard was just built into your every day and it didn't become such a, such a curious thing that we're like, we're going to do something hard. It was like, if you wanted to eat or you had to kill animals or build something it was it was hard so maybe it's a reframing of living a little bit yeah i'm with you man i can't wait to get into this show we <laughs> um so i want to give you a formal bio for for listeners who who um maybe don't know the full story or, or less familiar um so man get, when i was doing the research on the show and, and my team does research but i always i'm kind of a perfectionist so i'll double back and do my own work because i don't know if you're familiar with gallup strength finder you ever done that before that tool mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know what it is. Yeah. It's a cool tool. So my number four strength is individualization, which means I always want to know people's personal stories, which is probably one of the reasons I do the show. But uh, you are first and foremost, you're a volleyball legend, um, sports and health and fitness icon, world-class model, TV host, actor, and on-screen personality. Can't wait to talk about that. Business person, TED speaker, and New York Times bestseller, as well as fellow podcaster with your show, The Gabby Reese Show. And most importantly, wife and mother. I think we always got to put family first. So man, you have a full plate. How do you do it? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've, I've pondered this more lately. Cause I think as you, you know, you move through life, you, you kind of look at you, hopefully you keep looking at things and relooking at them and then maybe looking at them differently. And I think, you know, first of all, it's the idea that I, cho- you know, I sort of chose to do a lot of these things and it's embracing it with this idea of like, Oh yes, this has been my choice. And, um, you know, decent, I, I, I think also it's sort of like I'm decently organized and I don't make everything urgent all at one time. Mm. I think, um, you know, sports was very helpful because you can understand that you feel pressure, but you don't also have to respond to the pressure. And also you still have to, you can't be responding to things that haven't quite happened yet. So I think one school, one skill that has really been helpful for me, which is to notice that I'm like, oh, I, I feel a little pressure around that, but not to feel like I have to respond so much to that, but just to notice it. So you're honest with yourself, but that you don't have to go down a rabbit hole and have a sense of what you're doing like that day or that week, or even that month, I always have mm. a sense of things, but then I'm still only looking at, you know, kind of one thing at a time. So to your point, like getting ready for this podcast yeah, you have to plan ahead so you can do the research, but you're also not going to be reacting to the pressure of that um, unnecessarily. So I, it's sort of like this weird thing of, of, you know, accepting like, for example, today might be more of a work day and it won't be quite so as family oriented, 
And some days are like all family and yeah. work goes by the wayside. So it's just being able to slide in and out of that, I think is, is pretty helpful. But, and, and finally, really ultimately taking care of myself first, that always um, has been a priority and that helps support me like to just deal with the craziness of life. So, I mean, I think that it's interesting when I hear you say that and, and I look at your athletic background, which, which I really want to dig into because I feel like that's such a basis for me. I guess the question for you, for me to you is, is do you feel like your athletic background has helped you create this type of maybe methodology or prioritization model? Or do you think it's the other way around where you were doing that and then sports just happened to be one thing that you did as, as an interest at the time, which, which, which came first, the chicken or the egg on that one? I think in my case, because everyone, I think athletes can be very different. You can have really, like my husband's an athlete and he's kind of a creative. Um, I think I was sort of very uh, systematic, even as a kid, about being organized and having sort of an organized environment. Um, And then athletics puts you in the circumstances over and over where, for example, you fail, but you survive or you're, you win, or you work for goals, or you learn new skills, um, or you work with people that are really different than you. So I think athletics creates an environment to build out those skills a little greater. Mm. Um, and also to know yourself in a different way. I think there's something really powerful about wanting something and not get, you know, oftentimes getting it, losing and feeling embarrassed. Um, you know, all of those things. So it absolutely created a playground to develop the skills, but I, I probably was pre-wired a little bit for some of it. Um, and conversely, I've worked with athletes that they, you know, I have a very good friend that played in the NBA and he's sort of free floating and all over the place, but his work capacity is quite high because he played professional sports. So Mm. I don't think you always get spit out of sport. Um, you know, more organized necessarily. You probably know how to work and deal with pressure um, and some physical stuff, but I I still think the individual is, is still there kind of. Yeah, totally. I I totally agree with that. So I'd love, I'd love to, you know, here at Greatness Machine, we love origin stories Mm -hmm. and you have such a diverse background. If you don't mind, like, you know, you don't have to go as deep as the pits of the pits, but how, how, yeah, give us your origin story. (laughs) Like, I'd love to hear some, some of the background on what got you into, you know, the sports that you got into. And I know you have a really interesting background. Love, love to hear it with the audience. Okay. I'll try to fly through it quickly. Um, <clears throat> my mother's from New York. My father's from Trinidad. They met in California. I don't think they were together for particularly a very long time. And my mother weirdly trained dolphins. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because uh, she worked at a circus in Mexico City and she was quite young. Uh, she was in her early 20s and my parents were not together. And so I she, I think it was a challenging time for her to do everything. And so I actually ended up living in Long Island, New York from age two to seven with the neighborhood, with childhood friends of hers, a couple that didn't have children of their own. And then when I was seven, my mother remarried uh, and my stepfather is from Puerto Rico. Um, and during that time, when I was five, my father passed away in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. So I moved down. I was moved down to the Caribbean, down to the Virgin Islands, where I was raised until 11th grade. I dabbled. I was quite tall. I was six feet at 12. I was six three at 15. Wow. I dabbled in volleyball a little bit. Uh, mostly didn't care about school and got into mild trouble, but 
pretty consistent. You live in an island. You look older than you are. You know, it doesn't take big math. <laughs> you know, and so I was yeah. moved to St. Petersburg, Florida, my junior year of high school. Being six three, I went to this very small school. They were like, "Oh, you're going to play volleyball and basketball." So I did that in a more on a more serious level. And I think it helped me. I also had really good friends and at that time that were very supportive for that kind of lifestyle, very different than the Caribbean. And I took to that and ended up getting a scholarship to Florida State kind of in a, as a surprise to, to me. I had no uh, idea of going to a university or any of that or certainly not playing volleyball. Ended up at Florida State playing volleyball. During that time, after my freshman year, I started modeling uh, to make money to, cause I was independent. I was on my own pretty much. And, um, so after my second year, I gave up my scholarship. I paid to play cause back then you, you didn't have uh, name and likeness like you do now you had to right. choose. So I gave up my scholarship. I paid to play because I loved playing volleyball. I loved my team, my coach. Um, and I would, I went back and forth for two years, lived in New York, worked, went and went to school and played ball. Then after I got out of college, I picked up the beach game. Again, I've always been kind of in certain ways a late bloomer, especially athletically. And after living in Miami, after I got out of Florida State, um, a woman there that I had played with for about a year or two said, you know, you should move to California and try to play professionally. I didn't know better, which is always good. <laughs> and I was like, great idea. <laughs> and I moved to California where I pursued a professional career in beach volleyball. And, um, you know, from there, I... I sort of stopped modeling and became more of just a professional athlete, but I understood kind of the image game a little bit. And right. um, I was fortunate. It was very good timing. And uh, I signed with Nike. I was the first female to have a design, you know, my own design shoe at Nike. Again, very good timing. Uh, people say you don't wear shoes playing beach volleyball. That's true, but you train a lot. So I had a cross, what right. they used to call cross training. Right. Um, and so I had a, a shoe and, and then I started writing columns, uh, for magazines and, uh, doing television. I did a show called MTV sports and a show called the extremist. So I was always doing a lot of different things at one time, uh, because right. also beach volleyball is a very small sport. And so I think I was, um, and I wouldn't say I was smart enough to realize that what I was is I was interested in. Um, I think I was a person who looked ahead. And so I think I understood some of the limitations of beach volleyball, even if you were great. So I, I asked myself, what are the other things that you're interested in naturally that you think you could do a good job at? And I pursued those as well. So the writing and the, and the TV, because it was, it was fun for me to interview other athletes and do things like that. Um, I met my husband when I was 25 in 95 and, uh, he's a surfer. His name is Laird Hamilton. Yeah. And, um, you know, I started living between California and Hawaii and, uh, we have three daughters and, um, we have since built two businesses. I've had a graveyard of other businesses that didn't make it, but in the meantime, um, you know, I went from professional sports to kind of health and fitness, but it made sense. And so we have XPT and then in 2015, um, by accident, totally by accident, uh, Laird had this habit of how he drank his coffee. And we also created a company uh, called Laird Superfood that is uh, now uh, publicly traded, be it, it's a very challenging time. So yeah, I saw, I'm I sure saw there's that. a lot of gaps, but that gives you <laughs> some, some semblance of uh, how I'm here. 
So um, it's funny. One of the questions I, I wrote, and and for, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. And that was that was a really concise way of like boiling down a couple decades. I, I applaud you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question though. So on on going back to the volleyball, uh, especially the pro beach volleyball. When so when you joined, that was like the early nineties, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you 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 were at Florida State in nineteen ninety. Um, how big was the sport then? Because obviously it's you know it's a sport that now is you know gets a lot of hype. Right. But how was it when early 90s, would you say, compared to now? I think in certain ways it was actually bigger then. We were coming off a, a sort of a golden time. There were players like uh, Karch Karai and Sinjin Smith and Randy Stokeless that really popularized the sport. And um, it was, I think there was sort of, I know it sounds weird, but there's actually more money in the sport than there is now. Um, mm. it's, it's an interesting dance when you have a lifestyle sport. Um, right. you know, how do you make it all that it can be? So my hope is, is they've actually have some new people involved in the sport that maybe can help the sport grow. But I came in at a very good time because there were players just right before me that laid down some foundational work that really made it uh, a great opportunity. We had TV, we, you know, we were on ESPN, there wasn't a thousand channels, so you could really direct an right. audience somewhere. And, um, and for women like tennis, just not with as much money, Volleyball is a, is a very good sport for women, for TV ratings and, you know, sort of the way you're treated. Um, and I often say it's, it, it's also because it appears that we do everything the men do. Our net is a, is a bit lower, but there's something about that. It's a, you know, it's obviously a very beautiful sport. So it, it was a very good time for the sport. And so when, when you look at the transition because you obviously became a superstar in that sport. And then as you were mentioning early, you parlayed that, you know, mm-hmm. using, I guess the question is, do you feel like you leveraged your personal brand at that time? Because personal brand wasn't, I, I mean, in my, at least from my seat, I was, I'm a little younger, but you know, that wasn't a thing people talked about so much yeah. the way they do now. Right. Did you feel like that was a, a key for you to leverage that personal brand to get in, on TV and to leverage it for these other opportunities? Yeah, I think what I recognized was that people were not going to see me that often. I wasn't in the NBA. So when they did see me, how do I make that, you know, and without being overly strategic, but somewhat strategic, um, you know, impactful. So, um, you know, for example, let's say they asked you to go on like the Tonight Show, right? Nike would say, oh, we want you to wear like a a sweatsuit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to wear a sweatsuit (laughs) on the Tonight Show. (laughs) If I go there and I can represent myself and articulate, uh, then maybe people will be interested in me and then maybe that would be good for my sport or my sponsors. But I also understood that companies like Nike were investing in my image, which does cost money. And, and so it was really, um, it, it was a blend of when the opportunities arrive, just, um, do your best at representing yourself or whatever the thing is that you're representing, And, um, modeling really taught me that though, because, you know, you go to work and if you worked with a really good photographer and hair and makeup, your pictures were a lot better. And so I also understood that if I did commercials or whatever, I, I would ask for the director's reel. I would ask for the concept because I, I learned that I think working in fashion, which is like, Hey, if you can work with really good people, that's really good for you. And, uh, so in that way, and because it's not like today where you can go through Instagram or TikTok directly. You had to go through these channels to be seen, whether right. it was editorial 
or commercials or other. So it was a different kind of dance. And, and like, speaking of that, like what, what I heard you just touch on is this idea of team, right. And coming from team sports and then mm-hmm. leveraging that in the world of team and business. How have you taken that idea and applied it to now like the business world that you're in right now? Or what are your, what's your belief around the best ways as a leader to leverage teams to really take it to the next level? Well, it's an interesting idea because there's certain things that I'm the leader and then there's certain things I'm the least, you know, in certain ways qualified person. Like when you talk about Laird Superfood, I'm, you know, we have a CEO and a CMO and they've worked with other companies. So I think it's knowing, um, first of all, culture, your culture for your company, it's like the culture of your team or your family. I, I obviously that is very important and and allowing people to do their parts and stepping in when it's your part and over delivering when you can. I think that's another thing. I think it's about being a good teammate yourself first, Mm -hmm. Um, but protecting that culture, making sure there, you know, you don't get that weird uh, just, you know, backbiting or that kind of culture. And, 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 and listen, it's important to be somebody who knows what they're doing. And so uh, sometimes you can do a startup and the person who starts the company is not maybe going to be the person who's going to run the company at a different time. That was really an right. uncomfortable realization for me, which is, especially when you talk about business, there's sort of these different phases and levels and different types of people, different skill sets that are more appropriate. And so as a team person realizing that, oh yeah, this team will only be together for this period of time. And then it will be appropriate for like these other people to come in. That was, that was sort of a real, that was hard for me. Um, But you, but you realize the most important thing you can do um, is be accountable yourself and step in. And, and also when is it time for you to work for somebody? So there's times it doesn't Hmm. matter if we created Laird Superfood there, I need to have the attitude of I'm there to work for my CEO and my CMO and the company um, and not like, well, this is our company and we started it because that's not going to get us anywhere. So I think there's, it's, it's, I say this in my marriage. I say there's times I will, I'll be behind you and supporting you times I'm next to you. And there's going to be times I might be in front and be like, Hey, let's go this way. So I think it's, it's being able to also be adaptable and slide around whatever's needed. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it's I think it's such an interesting concept of not being confined by one role right and 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 i think a lot of people i mean it may be that you're just a highly adaptable person which it really seems that way when you start looking at all the different things you've done but i think for at least from what i've seen and I'm, I, you don't know probably know much about me but i was ceo of a company at a thousand employees and i mean i'm a very very adaptable person but i found that a lot of folks aren't what, what do you what do you think like what is one i mean for me it's just natural i'm pretty adaptable and how do you think people can can take on that role of adaptability more so to to again get what they want, which is what we're talking about here? Well, you know this as somebody who works with a thousand people. We're all we're all different. And there might be people who are like, hey, I like to punch a clock, I like to come in at nine and leave at five. I don't want to think about work. Um, and I'm okay that I have a boss. You're not you're probably not like that. I I would rather do the extra work. I'd rather think about it seven days a week. I'd rather think about it at 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. and be a part of that. So first it's recognizing maybe somebody really does want to just sort of give me my marching orders. I'll do that really well. I'm good. 
Um, but for people who are sort of saying, hey, I want to have more responsibility and, and um, more creativity, and maybe I don't really ultimately want to answer to somebody, I think it's not, a, I think it's about doing things even when it's uncomfortable for you. There are so many times where I'm like, ugh, this feels uncomfortable or our ego, you know, um, let's say, for example, we put on an XPT event. This is just a very superficial example. And at the end of the night, let's say there's a dinner and we do it at some weird place and they've rented tables and chairs. Well, guess what? We have a crew of people that can do pick up the tables and chairs, but like layered, especially it's like, yeah, no, we're going to fold tables and fold chairs and help load it up. Right. And so I think it's also seeing, Where's there a need? And do I, can I be the person who just steps in? And that is, I think, helps with being adaptable instead of, well, that's not my job. It's like, okay, well, right. that's great. And, and I think it's, a, if you talk to any person, scientist or person who's truly in health and fitness, I'm not talking about pretend people. I'm talking about the real people. Everything, everything in health comes down to adaptability. And so- mm. If I'm trying to be as healthy as I can, whatever that means, as kind, as loving, as strong, my cholesterol is low, whatever people define as health, um, I also have to be pliable and try it different than what is also comfortable for me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Hey, everyone. This is Darius from Shazze. Welcome to another episode of The Greatness Machine. You know, one of the things we love to talk about on this show is leadership and innovation. So I've got a question for you. Where do you turn to? when you want the latest insights on managing teams, leading organizations, and creating a positive impact in business. I'll tell you where I go, Harvard Business Review. You've probably heard of Harvard Business Review, but if you haven't checked out their website, hbr.org, you're seriously missing out. Harvard Business Review is where smart management thinking comes to life, whether you're a CEO, a startup founder, a project manager, or anyone in between. Let's talk about what makes HBR so great. For one, 
hbr.org is an absolute goldmine of fresh content. They update it daily with articles that cover every aspect of business management. Recently, I came across an article titled The Art of Setting Expectations as a Project Manager, which really hit home, mostly because I'm not a great project manager. If you've ever managed a team, you know how critical it is to set clear expectations, and this article dives deep into practical ways to do that. Another gem I found was what's derailing your company's transformation. This one was all about the hidden obstacles that can throw a wrench in your big plans. It got me thinking about how I approach change in my own ventures and gave me some solid strategies to tackle those challenges. But HBR isn't just articles. They've got a ton of resources too, from their podcasts like HBR IdeaCast, which brings you insights from industry leaders to their awesome explainer videos and even real world case studies from Harvard Business School. You're never short on quality content. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their website, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to www.hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code GREATNESS right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, to save 10% off your HBR subscription, go to www.hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code GREATNESS. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it kind of goes back to when we, how we started the show, which was this idea of like doing hard, right? Like, like, like embracing the suck. And, mm-hmm. and I love the example you used of, yeah, we're done at the event. Sure. There's people that can load the, 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 the tables up, but we're going to do it. Right. And yeah, we're going to help. And I think that, yeah, we're going to help. Right. Like, like, and, and, you know, in researching for this, for this interview, you know, there was this, you know, you got, you guys got interviewed for tools for Titans, um, Tim's mm-hmm. book, Tim Ferriss's book. And there was a concept I found in there that you had talked about with Tim that I was like, I love this because I'm literally, I was like, that's me. And, and you said this, the, uh, you talked about the importance of going first, mm. um, which I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about, which is this, like, I'm not going to wait for someone else to, to fold the tables up. I'm going to go first. I'm going to be the leader. Right. Would you mind telling us about that? Because I, when I saw that, I'm like, that's me. I'm always the guy that raises my hand first. Um, but yeah, yeah, tell me about like where you came up with that, how you think about that, because I, that's what I'm hearing right now a little bit. When I was with uh, Tim Ferriss came over and um, he, he I was with Laird and a gentleman named Brian McKenzie, who's a movement uh, specialist. And he was just asking us questions as Tim does so well. And at the end he goes, Hey, one thing, if you could say one thing or one thing that you believe in. And I had never really verbalized it, but at that moment I just said, yeah, just be willing to go first. Like, you know, I learned this, I think being a very large woman, I have feel the, I feel compelled to make people feel comfortable at least initially Hmm. because I'm six, three I would go and so in every situation, I would say good morning first, hello first. If somebody needs help, I'm happy to say, hey, do you need a hand? Like, no problem. And also growing up in the Caribbean, that was just more the way it is. And so I said, just be willing to go first, because what you also see is that other people want to. They're just afraid of rejection or will I look silly or whatever. And so for me, that's how that that came up. And and also you know, in talking about being adaptable, it's also being willing to do the extra. And when you don't see the immediate yeah. return, I think that there's another part of that tale that I want to make sure I don't um, forget, which is 
you do the extra to do the extra, not because of what will I get? You know, that's why like a VC guy is going to, his head would explode because they're always looking for the exact, you know, ROI where in life or in business, I don't always think it's a one for one. And, and sometimes right. by the way, it's a one for four, like that happens too, but that usually takes time. Yeah. That's funny. I have, a, I have a good friend. He calls it ROR, return on respect. Yeah. And 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 I think that I do. I do think we live in a world where people are. I hate to say it, but they're optimizing for the even trade. To your point, like like oh, what percentage? I got to give exactly what I got. And 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 there's a book um, by Ed Milet called The Power of One More. Where he talks about this, like yeah. I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more, and I, I just heard you say that. So, you, you know, you had also in the in the interview with Tim, you guys talked about p- that people are opting out now, right? And and that that we we live in a world of opting out. People, you know, like not raising our hands, not going first. Do you think that this kind of goes back to this idea of of living in a comfortable world, being comfortable, overly comfortable, and not people not really wanting to get uncomfortable where I would assume you're going to agree with what I'm about to say, which is that's where the growth is. That's, you know, the, the strain on the vine creates the good wine, right? So I'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I want to also add a layer of empathy for the group, much younger, two generations younger than me. So if you are, you know, below 30, now, if you go first, you will have constant commentary, right? I only had to deal with my immediate group when I was growing up and getting being, because listen, let's face it, when you're a teenager in your twenties, it's harder to be exposed that way. And so, but I only had to deal with the group around me. I mean, granted, it was great when you had a team, because if you made a mistake, they would give you so much shit that you were just like, they'd be like, oh, nice job, good shot or whatever. So you kind of got a little metal doing that. But ultimately, mm-hmm. it was still the group that had access to you in that moment. And then, okay, as I got had a public job, maybe it was just people who watched me on a TV or read something in a newspaper, but they couldn't actually connect with me to criticize me. Right Now, right. you've got a group that's going like, I feel inspired to go, but I don't want to hear it. And so I want to add that because people don't we're not really meant to have that many people have access and eyeballs to us. And then on top sure. of it, be able to comment. So I really want to encourage people that, Hey, listen, it's almost like a decision that you have to be like, okay, everybody's firing their guns. I'm just going to run out there because I think it's too hard. Otherwise I didn't have to do that getting my bearing. So I really want to give people kind of an extra support or credit because that's what they're dealing with. Cause as you get a little older, you're kind of like, yeah, that, okay, it's fine. You know, like, sure. but I think to get going and to get momentum into like, Hey, I want to go first. And then to have everybody shut you down right away. It's not the most encouraging environment to do that. Yeah. It's funny. Like I, th- I do think to your point though, if it comes naturally to you, then that's a, gift that maybe God has given you so that you'll, you'll just do it. Right. Like I'm a person that like, when I bomb, I bomb in front of people and I was at Ted and I, we did that. We had like a group event and I, and we had to like share a scar we had. And I was like, I'm going to be funny and make up a fake scar. And it bombed. Like I had a thousand people looking at me and like, like they're like, this guy's not funny. And I was like, all right, well, sometimes, sometimes you bomb right to, to your point. <laughs> um, but, you but just- you know, 
It's yeah, I, you just go you go for it. <laughs> and at the end, here's what I know to be so true. You know, the people that love me, they they love me, and and the people who I respect their opinion, uh, those are people that I know. I mean, there's people I'm inspired by that I don't know, but ultimately if we can try to remember that it's really only as much heat as we give it. If someone mm. makes a snarky comment to me um, online at the end of the day, it only lives because I give it life. Now that is a hard learned lesson that has taken a lot of practice, but I also feel maybe that people are going to get so um, also tone deaf to all the BS and the criticism. That's just people having a bad day looking to be, be aim and shoot at somebody right. that maybe they're going to be like, Oh, who cares? But I think you're right. It's like, if you have it in you, you got to go for it because we can't let the opinion of, of other people hold us back because no matter what we do, no matter what we do and how well-intended we are, someone somewhere, even people who really know us, they're not going to like us. They're not going to agree. So you might as well, you know, go for it and honor yourself. Yeah. Haters are going to hate, right? It's like, you're not going to please everybody. I, I, you know, in business, um, one of the things that we do, that I promote and that I do is I always interview my, my team. I'll survey my team and we ask them how they're feeling and we ask them like how, what we could do better. And we ask them, you know, like, would they recommend friends to work for the company and all these best practices. And I remember I had a conversation with a friend of mine who he just got elected mayor of Vancouver, like literally like a month ago. And his name is Ken Sim. And I said, you know, Ken, like nine out of 10 of my employees, they, they, they'd say they love working for me, but I always have that one. And he just looks at me, we're in New York city at late night eating soup. And he's like, and he has this funny Canadian accent. He's like, you know, Darius haters are going to hate. And I was, and from that moment forward, I was like, you know what? You can't please everybody. Um, and, and I think that that's where we live in a world where to your point earlier, like people like shouldn't have this level of uh, connectivity where they can comment on every little thing you do. It's kind of bullshit. Right. And I'm Gen X, right. So I'm, I'm on the cusp. I graduated high school right when the internet was coming out, you know? Mm. So I, so I say I'm like fluent in analog and digital, um, you know, but today's generation is all digital. They're born in an environment where you have, where you get hammered from every angle. If you put something out there. You know, when you, you grew up, you, you made a point that you were six foot three, right? So you, I mean, probably without trying, you stood out, you know, like it's okay. not, that's, that's obviously tall for a woman. Right. And, and so do you think that that gave you like, what, what did you see that as like a, an asset or a liability from a confidence standpoint? Well, when you're young going through puberty, it's a nightmare, right? Uh, cause everywhere you go, first of all, people think you're much older and everyone, they stare at you and a teenage girl, the last thing she wants is to be stared at. Right. Um, however, what I, but then I turn 18 and everyone's like, Oh, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. And then I go into fashion <laughs> and all they keep saying is, cause I'm, I'm was big even for fashion, but I worked and I, they, I mean, I would have editors from Italian Vogue going, I mean, you're just so giant and nothing fits like they're opening clothes, trying to cinch it. So in a way it was an interesting thing because I had to look at it in the face all the time and like, Oh, your feet are too big. And Oh, she doesn't fit that. No, she doesn't fit this. Yeah. And you just have to be like, Oh yeah. Like this is who I am. I can't really change right. this. Um, and then conversely, the great gift back to me was I go to volleyball and it was like, yo, the bigger, the better. So I'm yeah. like, you're depending on what universe you're in, one thing is awesome. And one thing is like, Oh, how are we going to find something? So I thought you better make up your mind for yourself. Right. Um, and you know, something else I've learned 
from one of my daughters, um, who in ways is quite a lot wiser than I am, is it's sort of like when you can not separate yourself from the criticism, not. So what, what my point is, is it's like the compliments are the same and so are the criticisms. And I, I've often felt that way, especially about the compliments where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to take that too serious, but that to sort of realize everything is everything and it's yeah. all, it's all happening simultaneously. And at the end of the day, if you can just stay tuned into what's going to keep you excited about getting up every day and make you feel like you're honoring yourself and the way you're trying to live regardless. Um, and by the way, I don't have to have everybody understand how I feel. I don't need people to think and feel like me. I'm okay with like somebody feeling differently. You can, you can, you can, uh, free up a lot of space, emotional and time when you just go like, Oh yeah. When we were saying earlier, like, hard, easy, fun, you know, boring. It's like these, this is all, it's all, everything is everything. And I think that, um, it's a hard place to get to and it's a loud world. There's, it's hard to go inside yourself and get those moments of going like, how do I feel? What do I want? Who am I? But I, I really would encourage people to keep trying to fight for that real estate just a little bit because then your life will sort of, you'll move based on that voice. And I usually feel like we end up at a pretty good place when we have that opportunity to do that. Yeah. So it's like that, that alignment around who you are, right. Then you can just double down on it. Um, you know, you're touching on something that, that, um, I was curious about because I, I read that you and your husband, you guys work out six times a week. Obviously mm-hmm. phys- fitness is a really big part of who you are in your life. Um, and, but you know, I think right now we live in a world where mental health is, is so important as well. And, and I can tell you, you know, there's, there's a hundred different things you can go out there and do for physical health. And there's a million different things we can do for mental health, but there's a lot of noise as well. What, what, how are you like when you're approaching mental health in your life or in your family's life, what are some of the practices that you've really leaned into to, you know, create a better you? Well, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll speak to this from two angles because most of the people I speak to are scientists and doctors and what have you on my show. Okay. And 50% of them have to talk to me about mental health. What I will say is personally, I have always used movement as the tool to help me to get to a place of sort of a mental and emotional homeostasis. Yes. Mm. I, at one point was using physical fitness just for a performance improvement in volleyball. I don't play volleyball anymore. And I, and I also understand the gift of health. Okay. So that's why I I train. However, why I really train is so that I can stay sane because physiologically I have a better fighting chance if I can have, you know, serotonin releases and endorphins and I can be tired and all these other things. Now, if you want to go to a much deeper level about mental health, there's, there's something that's happened culturally, which is every time we feel anxious or depressed, we say we're anxious or depressed, but we're not. Being ang- Having anxiety and having depression is very, very different than feeling yeah. anxious and depress- depress- depressed. So what happened is culturally people haven't, they don't know the difference and they attach to it and then they self-identify with it. Mm. And I think what would be really important is for 
one, people not to use that as a get off the hook, but also to understand if you talk to somebody who genuinely has anxiety or genuinely is depressed, it's really different. Now, as a human being, do I feel anxiety? A hundred percent all the time. It's showing up. Are there days where I don't really like, I'm not fired up to get out of bed? Sure. So would someone say that I felt depressed in that moment? I don't know for a millisecond, maybe, but I'm not depressed. So one is I would say, let's not, let's not take these coats on and wear them. One, two, if we can get our physiology, just the avatar, the chem- the chemistry, as good as we can get it. So that means our gut health. That means just moving around, trying to eat foods that support feeling good. Because by the way, if I mm-hmm. eat a donut right now in 30 minutes, I'm in, I'm in less of a good mood. Sure. And that's just chemistry. That's not a thing. That's not my childhood coming back to haunt me. So <laughs> I, I guess what I want to say is right. I want to encourage people that it is just simply a tool. Um, there's a book that uh, by Dr. Chris Palmer. He okay. uh, has been in psychotherapy for over 27 years. He's worked with anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar, like serious and mild conditions, right? And what he says about our brain is that we not only have uh, mental health in our brain, but we have metabolic health of our brain. And he's Hmm. like, listen, Gabby, no one's ever thrived on 12 medications. So he's through his own practice by getting people physically healthier, he's either lowered their dosage and some of them have gotten off their medication altogether. And he'll go, you know, I've had patients get off their medication for five to seven years. And I go, what happens at five to seven years? And he goes, they think they're totally cured. They go off the rails, they go drinking, they eat whatever, and then they have a relapse. Mm-hmm. So Brain Energy is an interesting book if people want to check it out. If you're sitting and breathing, yeah. sitting, this is a really small little hack that's very easy. When people are sitting working, you should never be mouth breathing. Never. You should always be nose breathing. The only time we should be mouth breathing is like if we've done sprints on a track. And what happens is then the breath through the nasals goes down deeper into the tummy. So it slows everything down. It down regulates us, keeps us in our parasympathetic, our calm. So if we're mouth breathing, we are breathing anywhere from like 10 to 12 to 13 breaths per minute. When we're nasal breathing, we'll go down to about three or five. Hmm. So food is number one. Okay. It's just number one. I can't, I wish it wasn't. It's, it's what we eat really can start to push us in one direction or another. When people hear about gut health, it's a very real thing. And I wouldn't be so quick if you're having a hard time to run to the doctor because they will write you a prescription. Yeah. And what I, I love that. What I would encourage people is to say, first of all, you have some more power than you realize, even when it feels like it doesn't. And there are really good resources out there to help heal and it's worth it. Like if you said to me, I'd say, take my house, take, take everything I own if I could keep my health. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, the, I have a good friend that he said, uh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this right now, but I'm going to try anyway. He says like, you know, you show me a, a sick man 
you know, and you know, the, the only thing that they're worried about is their health, right? Like, like they, you give them one wish, they're not going to wish for anything else. Right. Yeah. And, and I completely just destroyed that. What the, the cool way of saying that, but I, um, I, I get it. Well, and also I want to remind people something else. We are isolated. We are more isolated. If they can make the effort in this go first part, go first right. to, and it takes work and it's kind of even a pain in the butt connect with people like we cannot function no matter who we are i don't care how many push-ups and sit-ups and how many you know high protein diets we eat if we are not connecting with people and ourselves and a sense of purpose it really doesn't matter what we do it's going to be hard to feel good yeah i love that and it's just it's i mean and this is stuff that was normal before right like this is like you know back in the day it's like no like there was community and you ate the local farm stuff because you couldn't get in from anywhere. And, yeah. you know, people just seemed, you know, to, I mean, you know, obviously the old world had its own problems, but this is, we live in this world of, to your point, disconnectivity and, you know, complacency and, and, you know, processed foods. And then people are like, I'm not feeling good. Here's a pill. And it's like, yeah. no, like, like, let's, well, when let's you talk, un- you unwind talked, this. You talked about adaptability, right? And so here's the deal. We, I could sit here and be like, I can't believe it forget it. It is what it is, but we live unnaturally. So now we have to adapt and do weird things like get together and consciously try to eat real food to pull it. And so instead of, I try not to look at it like, can you believe it? It, it, it is how it is. So what are right. we going to do to adapt so that we can be our best selves? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You know, I think I think a big part of this also is around values right and and i think that people have gotten away from their core values i'm a core value evangelist like you couldn't find someone who's more into core values than me maybe equally and so when i look at it it's just a real simple question i always say like are we living in our working in our towns living in our values and doing it with a high level of awareness right and from a health perspective and and i feel like when you get nail all those three things life is good and what do you think about that well, I, I think we're being told, again, it's that we don't have that room because our technology is on top of us. And then you add, uh, you know, it's very combative, right? Like co- combative is provocative and is very good and sells a lot. So there's a lot of it. And I sure. think that people have to realize there's a lot of really good people in the world and they want really kind of the same things that they do. Totally. And so if you can be that, then you will continue to attract that. And then also it will reignite your um, hope that, Oh yes, this is people are, are good. And that's why we can't be isolated. And uh, I just think, but you've got to drill down and have the discipline to understand who am I? What do I believe? What am I willing to stand and live consistently as? And I think once we can lock that in and accountability is a huge thing. It's 
we can't blame. Yes, there might be really unfair circumstances happening to somebody. I, I understand that bad things happen to good people, but that's not going to help us. So what can we do? And I've said this, I said this in uh, something, a book I wrote, we've all been given low and high cards. What are our high cards? How do we play those? How do we help get those to help us navigate to a place we want to be? Um, because, or we're just going to, we can sit and complain and talk about how unfair it is because life is totally. unfair. It is. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. No, no. And I think the minute you accept that, then you're one step ahead because you're like, all right, it's not meant to be fair. It's meant to be what it is. And you work with what you got to your point. Um, you know, I want to, I want to pivot a little bit. Um, and I know that we're, we got about 15 minutes left. Um, so I, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, I, I think most people would consider you and your husband a power couple. You know, you guys both, I mean, you guys are, I mean, and you've been around for a long time. I, I believe I looked, you got married in 97. So you guys have been married for 25 years and in the public spotlight, I would assume there's a lot of pressure associated with that. And when most people, when they think of, you know, quote unquote, famous married couples, they're like, yeah, they don't last. They break up. That's like the norm. What do you like? How do you feel like you've been able to balance all these different things? Because you guys seem to do a lot of stuff together, mm -hmm. right? Business, life, all these amazing things. How have you guys been able to keep it all together? Because I think like that is a great representation of a lot of, a lot of the things we're talking about right now. Well, first of all, I think we have a low level of notoriety, which is helpful because you don't have as much noise coming your way. So mm. it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not like a Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. It's like, sure. you know, it's, it's, it's something very different than that. Um, I will give the credit actually first to my husband because, you know, Laird is a very unique person. He was raised on the island of Kauai. He, he, you know, rides, he's in mother, he's out in the ocean. He's rides very large waves. So his teacher is pretty, um, pretty, he has a pretty powerful teacher in mother nature. And sure. he, he is the most, uh, he is been able to develop as a person who stays pretty clear. He doesn't get distracted. I could get more distracted than him. He's so clear about what's important that I think he also grounds the whole house into that. Mm. We all get grounded through his clarity. And um, I really appreciate that. But he, in a way, he's very complex, but also so very simple. It's like, hey, we, mm. we need to take care of ourselves. We need to love each other. Um, for him, he has a, a very deep passion to surf waves and he loves his family. Um, he, he could, if he didn't have surf, I think he could also be in jail. So it, you know, could have gone either <laughs> way, quite frankly, you know, it's like this very intense person, Yeah. but white noise doesn't, he doesn't, he's not looking around. He's not like, Oh, shiny things. He's pretty clear. And nice. I think, I think nature does that to people. I think when you spend time yeah. with anyone, if you meet people who do anything really a lot in nature. Uh, they're not buying some of the, some of the trends. They understand it. He uses his phone to look at weather, but they haven't bit that. And also as far as working together, we respect each other and it's sort of like, 
you're this, that's more your area. You do that. I don't question you. And then, and vice versa. It's not always easy. Listen, we're a married couple. Like, you know, sure. we, we've had, we've, we've made it through some, a few rough patches and to get new skills. Cause you don't, you know, they don't teach you that. Um, and I also think as you are longer with a person, you understand you're pretty fortunate if you can find somebody that you love and respect and are, and even, I mean, I'm going to be superficial that you're attracted to, like, you know, that you can have chemistry, that you can, that you can be together and that your values, I always say we're very different people, very different, but our values mm-hmm. are very similar. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I hope that if you're married to someone that you find them attractive. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, but it's like, sometimes you, know? you get like, Oh, freaked out. I'm like, listen, I'm just being honest. Like, you know, yeah. if you, if you, if you don't have, have chemistry. I have chemistry with my girlfriends. Like, you know, it's like, you just have chemistry with people and you're just like, I love them, you know? And, um, and I, I feel that way about Laird, but I, I give Laird a lot of, of the credit. I think I have, a, I, I do something for our relationship, but I think he is really like this grounding heart for myself and my daughters. Um, even though we bucket, we're like, Oh gosh, you know, but we know he's right. <laughs> oh yeah. But that's how it goes when you're comfortable. You can't, you know, it's like, I always say it's like no one wants to hear from, you know, their mom or dad. They want to, they want to hear it from someone else, you know? Yeah. It's a, it, An expert somebody well this... who lives a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's a great quote. Um, so let's talk about current projects. You talked a little bit about them earlier, but um, you guys have the business mm-hmm. says we have the, the businesses. You guys are working with tons of cool people. Uh, talk, talk to us about X, EX, or excuse me, EPT, EPT. Is it XPT? Excuse me. XPT, Extreme. Yeah. XPT yeah, sorry. Is, I'm, I'm, it's okay. You've had your Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. You're getting your Thanksgiving wave coming at you. I XPT was just um, a business that we started around health and fitness. And there's some interesting modalities. There's breathing. We have a breathing app and um, there's mobility. And we do some, uh, we have a pool training with weights that you go into the deep end. Yeah. So for if you're trying to train really hard, but not have impact your joints, it's actually really excellent for that. And we work with a ton of athletes that come either recovering from injuries or are looking to improve performance. Cause all, one of the things about the water that's so great is it's objective. So if it's like, Hey, that's not good enough. It's not picking on you. Um, and right. I have an artificial knee and Laird has an artificial hip. So we're always looking for ways to train very hard without continuing to damage uh, our bodies. And, um, I really love XPT because one of the things I, w- I want to say to people is if somebody says to you, Hey, there is one way to be healthy. Like you should only eat this way and only do this movement run. I think we're all yeah. unique and it's also always changing. There's elements that are ever changing. So there's no absolutes. Um, but the fundamentals, listen, you have to get to sleep and people can say, I go to bed at one and I get up at nine. Those are the wrong eight hours. We, we're still connected to the sun, whether we like it or not. The breathing, you know, if we can get that right, that's a, that's a big win. The food, the movement, manage stress management. And, and again, that community, I think we, we don't really value that as much. So XPT is, is great for us because then we work with a lot of people and it's like a continued classroom. Yes. Yeah. I saw that. That looked, uh, saw some of the folks you guys have worked with. It seems really interesting. I have a question on the mouth breathing because I don't know mm-hmm. if this maybe it's from me like doing research, but suddenly I, I, something got into my feed and the algorithms like start showing this guy mouth tape. Right. So oh, I yeah. started seeing like, like mouth tape. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I, and, and I, I mean, 
you don't know me, but I used to have sleep apnea and I lost a bunch of weight and got a, I, I, and I used to snore and I don't snore anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't imagine anything touching my face when I sleep. Like that just seems, but what do you think about the mouth tape thing? I think it's really good. And there's brands out there that are, they're sort of the le- you know, really soft and gentle on you. And I, and okay. I, a lot of people have success with that. And also our children should be sleeping with their mouth closed because your jaw development also, yeah. um, and the structure of your jaw can be preserved when you're not sleeping with your mouth open, your teeth don't oxidize as much. And also mm. because your tongue is allowed to move to the roof of your mouth, that will keep opening your jaw. And so for little kids, it makes space for the teeth and it keeps that jaw wide. Mm. So So, it's really worth it. I know. So do you think like a mouth device for kids or you're taping your kid's mouth shut? Well, if they, if, you know, honestly, if you, most kids probably naturally are doing it right, but it would be worth Mm -hmm. seeing and making sure just that they're in the habit of doing it and comfortable. Um, but yes, you can tape it. The tape is very, it's not the tape. It's not, you know, don't rip it off. It's almost like a silicone piece that just gently mm-hmm. keeps the mouth closed. And it might be irritating for a night or two, but it, it's, it's really, really worth it. Another thing that's interesting with children is for parents to make sure that their tongue, they're not tongue tied. So a lot of kids underneath, if the tongue is too short, the tongue mm. isn't allowed then to drift up to the top of the roof of the mouth. And so that can also impact jaw development and room for teeth, et cetera. I, I read a thing recently that said like people that tape their mouth shut that actually like, like makes them look younger and it slows the aging process. Have oh, you heard see, this? Now you know how to get the audience to do it. You're, I'm yeah. like, for healthy reasons and this, people are blah, blah, blah. You will yeah. look younger. Look, people will be like, what's the tape? Done. <laughs> done. It's, it's, but think about as we get older, our jaw starts to collapse in, Right. And right, that, that's right. part of it where we have these full, look at, think about women, what they're doing. They're putting all this filler and all this stuff in their face mm-hmm. and it's to what, to look younger. So when you have your mouth shut and the jaw stays wide, when we think of alpha men, they always have this big wide jaw. It's all connected to something very primal. And so, yes. Right. Got, I, all right. I'm, you got me motivated. There was one I saw that was like cover the whole mouth and I was like, oh, that doesn't look No, no, no. I, I wish I could. Um, I want to find the brand. Uh, there is a brand. I think that, uh, so for people listening, Patrick McCune or okay. um, James Nestor wrote a book called Breathe and both yeah, of them will have very good suggestions on what's the best tape. I know there is one tape that they all love that you can get anywhere and it's not expensive. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw you you interviewed James on your show, right? Yeah, I he's saw awesome. The, I saw he was he's Yeah, so cool. I, saw, I, I I haven't read it. I haven't I've, I saw him get interviewed. I was like I we my people are at, are approaching him cuz we want him on the show, but I I would love to to, to check out that show that you did. I want to speaking of that, I want to talk about your show, right? Let's okay. I know we're getting towards the end here and listeners like i'm a, I'm a big fan of promoting great podcasts and it sounds like you got a great one i looked at your lineup of all the different people you had you've had some amazing interesting people on the show but tell us about uh the gabby reese show you know my hope with the show is just to have conversations not so dissimilar to what we're having now with people that i call the sharp end of the stick so they really are best in class at what they do but disseminated down at kind of a sixth grade level because my my findings have been 
good health and good information shouldn't be just for this special group or for people who can understand it or have time to get wade through it. Uh, You know, or like Laird and I who come from sports where we've had people who are, you know, really been great mentors or helped us. So how do we get that information to the people who are too busy and need it the most? And they don't have as many resources, whether it's time or money to throw at taking care of themselves. So my hope is just to talk to really smart and good people um, and and find out like, hey, what are what are three things like hopefully like when someone's done listening, it's like three things that they go, you know what, I could I could maybe start to mess around with that or incorporate that into my life. And, you know, I have sometimes like I've had comedians or other people who maybe I, I just want to know you were doing it this way, or this seems to be working. Why is that working? Yeah, that's so cool. So people can find you. Um, we're going to put all this stuff in the show notes, but okay. GabrielleReese.com is where they can, is that the best yeah. place? Or to even GabbyReese.com is fine. I think both. Yeah, we were talking about earlier on the show. Gabby Reese is probably easier because in this with a Y for folks that can't spell. But uh, yeah, GabbyReese.com or GabrielleReese.com, and we'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Um, Thank you. Well, my gosh, this has been amazing. I have one last thing, and then and then I'll let you get on your way. But um, you know, here at the Greatness Machine, as I mentioned earlier, we're all about uh, you know creating greatness in the world, and we always like to ask our guests a parting question. Um, so I always want to know, you know, and and the question I ask is, you know, what is the biggest barrier that you think holds people back from creating greatness in the world and how have you overcome this in your journey? I don't think I approach it that I'm putting greatness into the world. I think what holds people back is they think it has to be great, but maybe if they go with the spirit of I'm here, I'm a unique person, whatever scale I'm on, big or small, I don't know what that means. I have a, I have a purpose and maybe multiple purposes, right? You've had probably a few chapters in your life. And one of my Mm. responsibilities is to fulfill that purpose and contribute to the world that I'm in. And, and I always say, listen, if you're like a new mom and you're of service to your family, you're contributing to your children. And then maybe it's your neighbor and then maybe your block. And guess what? That's significant. And so Mm -hmm. I think people get held back of fear that they're not good enough or it's not interesting enough or what can I do? And I think that if we keep our heads down and we just sort of keep tapping into who am I, what's my purpose, how do I put that into the world in a way that, you know, you sort of think, am I tipping towards the positive? Mm -hmm. I think if we, if we have a North star, that's like, does this feel kind of positive, then you just don't know where it leads you. Yeah. I love that. Gabby Reese, what an honor and pleasure to have you on the greatness machine. This has been seriously an amazing uh, amount of gratitude for me to you for coming here and sharing all your knowledge. You've done so many cool things in the world and I can't wait to see what's next. Well, I I appreciate being on here. And also I want to finish by saying to people, even if you're quite young, like a teenager, I think, you know, we all have something special to give. So don't let your, how much experience you have, what your background is, what your family is, what your education is, none of that. Don't let that keep you uh, from, from contributing because it's all important. So I, I couldn't agree more. That's it's, I think that our, from my position, 
we're here to do that. And, 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 and my dad, my father, um, passed away when I was 22 years old, but he was from Iran Persian guy. And he said, don't ever listen to anyone who's not more successful than you are. So <laughs> screw the naysayers, go do your thing. Yeah. Plenty of people are going to tell you, you can't do stuff. They don't know. They've never done it. So I, I've kind of lived with that and served me pretty well. And it sounds like it's done the same for you. So far, I still have a ways to go. Yeah. We're, we're like at the third of the waypoint, you know, another hundred years. <laughs> you are. I'm like a halfway buddy. <laughs> uh, no way. <laughs> well, I hope you feel oh, better. My gosh. Yeah. Thank you so much again for being here. And um, for the guests, excuse me, for the listeners of the show, um, please, uh, if you love what you heard here, like us, follow us, um, give us a review and uh, go check out Gabby's show and all the great things that she and Larry are doing. With that said, peace out. We love you guys. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. Hey there, what's up, everybody? Darius here, and I'm here to tell you about my main man, Robert Glazer, and his amazing show, The Elevate Podcast. Robert is a buddy of mine, and his Elevate Podcast is second to none. So The Elevate Podcast what is, it's a conversational show where Robert is, sits down with world-class CEOs, New York's Times bestselling authors, and the best thought leaders and performers in their field. You're going to hear stories about triumph, failure, resilience, more importantly, all the learnings along the way. So some of his guests include James Clear from Atomic Habits, Angela Duckworth from Grit, Susan Cain, author of Quiet, Morning Brew founder and CEO Alex Lieberman, and hundreds more. Every episode shares valuable insights in how to expand your capabilities as a leader and align your life and work to your most important principles. Robert's goal is that you're going to leave each episode inspired and with plenty of next steps that you can put into practice into your life and look, if you're looking to elevate your life, your leadership, and your business, Elevate is the show for you. It's like I always say, we as podcast listeners, we listen to six shows, not just mine, but Bob should be one of yours. Subscribe to the Elevate podcast today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. 
Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.